Speaking of the last time it was dark like this, let's go back to last winter. All eyes are going to be on Ottawa tomorrow, nearly eight months to the day since the federal government took the unprecedented step of invoking the Emergencies Act to put an end to weeks-long blockades, including of Parliament Hill. A mandated inquiry into that decision, um, the decision to use those powers, begins tomorrow. The Public Order Emergency Commission, it's called, will be presided over by former Ontario Superior Court Justice Paul Rouleau. More than 60 witnesses are expected to testify starting Friday, including the Prime Minister and other members of Cabinet, high-profile protesters, law enforcement, and people impacted by the occupation in Ottawa and elsewhere. You'll remember back to February 14th, after weeks of business closures, cross-border strains, all that honking of horns, concerns about the threats or acts of serious violence, uh, the Prime Minister took the unprecedented step of invoking the Emergencies Act for the first time since it had become law in 1988. Well, today, ahead of the hearings, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, who were opposed to the invocation of the Act, say they fear the federal government will seek to keep some information from becoming public during the inquiry. Kara Zwiebel is a lawyer with the group and says she has questions about the government's level of transparency so far. I think we will have questions about whether the government is being forthcoming enough, whether the evidence is is going to allow the kind of transparency that we think is required. Still at Justice Rouleau's request, the Liberal government has waived cabinet confidence on documents related to the invocation of the act. That is a rare move. Uh, Rouleau has also been directed through an order in council to offer, quote, lessons learned about the use of the act and to comment on the, quote, appropriateness and effectiveness of the measures taken. Well, joining us with more on this now is Michael Kempa. He's an associate professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa and someone who's followed this whole uh, saga, we could call it, from beginning to end very closely. Thank you for your time again tonight. Thank you. So this is a mandated mandated inquiry. We knew this was going to happen, uh, not too far from where the blockade once was, as a matter of fact, but not to assign blame. Is that right? No, the the purpose of the inquiry, as laid out in the Act, is to uncover all of the breakdowns in the civil institutions, the local police, security agencies, the three levels of government that led to the invocation of the Act, for the purposes that we fix that civil system, we never have to mobilize the Emergencies Act for the same reasons twice. It's about fixing things. It's not about assigning blame. The idea being, of course, that the Emergencies Act as a measure of last resort shouldn't be, shouldn't be used if it can be avoided. That's absolutely right. And uh, when we look at it, I'm quite confident that the information that will come out will show that we really should never have got to this in the sense that had we been properly prepared, had we recognized the threat coming from ideological extremists in our country, some of whom were at, were behind certain streams of the Freedom Convoy protest, there were many other protesters who had nothing to do with it, we would have been able to deal with this in a peaceable way without invoking the Emergencies Act. But things spiraled out of control due to our lack of preparedness to the point that the last safety valve of pulling the Emergencies Act off the shelf uh, and invoking it became necessary. How much will the focus be? I know there's been so much talk and Ottawa was was really the focal point for so long uh, of all of this. But I would imagine that one of the things that we'll have to try and figure out here, which is probably just as important, um, is is the blockades at the borders, because certainly the Master Bridge probably uh, was a was a bigger deal internationally than what was happening in Ottawa. 
Oh, it certainly was. Uh, I mean, the American government, the Biden administration, was pretty unequivocal. At one point, they basically said to the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, clear up the border or we will offer you assistance from Homeland Security. And to most people's ears, that sounded less like an, an offer as it was not a threat, but seriously chiding the Canadian government to get the situation under control because it was seriously threatening trade, uh, money flowing across the border, and uh, the United States simply won't tolerate that kind of um, instability right on their borders. The list of witnesses is interesting because in many ways it reads like a who's who of that entire period, uh, more than 60. What do you expect uh, to hear? It's going to be interesting to see all the people that are on that witness list appear in front of this uh, in front of this inquiry. It is. My read of it is that they're starting locally. They'll start with people who are impacted, the local police, the police services board, this municipal government, and then work their way up. I'm a little concerned I don't see Doug Ford or the Solicitor General for Ontario at the time, Sylvia Jones, on that list. They were very important for liaising between cities and the federal government. Um, But they worked their way up to the federal government, the idea being this builds to understanding what information the federal government had in its hands at the time that they decided to invoke the Emergencies Act. Were there choices for the specific powers that they mobilized? around declaring the illegal protest zone, around freezing bank accounts and seizing property and so forth if you were down there. Were these the right choices given the information that they had? I'll imagine it's going to be uncomfortable for for a certain number of those witnesses. I'm thinking of specifically Ottawa police at the time. are, are they? Are they? Just so I understand, are they under oath? Is this? Do they have to they answer, indeed. or is it? They is, are indeed. They are indeed. You can be so if you, obviously if you're under oath and you are found to have perjured yourself, you can be charged criminally. Uh, in fact, and it's it's quite serious. So Canadians need to take that into account. The people who are appearing are under oath. All of the documents submitted go through the proper procedures of court vetting, just as if you were submitting evidence to the courts. This is not going to be a forum for saying whatever you like and raising all kinds of nonsense and competing arguments and yelling and screaming, such as what we might see in Parliament or the House of Commons these days, it will be structured, orderly, and it will force security professionals and politicians and convoy organizers to present their arguments clearly and logically, such that Canadians will get the clearest picture of this thing through this forum. I would almost say I would ignore what I've been hearing in the House of Commons in favor of what comes out of this inquiry. Yeah, I imagine Justice, Justice Rouleau, too. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. He'll be running a very tight ship, I suspect. Well, he'll have to. And we cannot under one of the huge purposes of an inquiry like this is public education. People's faith in the institutions of the Canadian state, the police, the police governance system, the levels of government, CSIS, the intelligence agencies, were seriously shaken in the context of the Freedom Convoy. People were, they heard about weapons, they heard about layers of protest, they heard about some people were only there for a good time, whereas others had bad intentions. The state seemed to do nothing. If we don't present the information now, and in a sense own it, and the political leaders own what happened and explain themselves and outline what they intend to do to improve things in the future, 
well, the commission will not have achieved the objective of restoring faith in the Canadian state. All of that's on Rouleau's shoulders. He must be aware of that. But he's a tough judge. I don't think he'll have a hard time dealing with that. There's documentation involved here, too. Uh, I understand a lot of that's already been submitted. Um, they already have it in hand. What's done with that? What, what are we going to expect to see in terms of documentation? Well, tomorrow morning, the first action of Justice Rouleau is he's going to open the proceedings by outlining what is already known. Uh, in, in essence, almost like a bullet point summary of the facts that have been established through the documents. There is an idea that there's going to be a major document dump where it will be shared with journalists and the public, but we are not clear at all what documents we'll be getting tomorrow and what will be held back. We're talking about a couple of documents or all of them um, that could have been communicated a little bit more clearly, but we'll see what he has to say tomorrow morning. Yeah, and in terms of cabinet confidentiality. I know there's been, we've heard a bit about that today as well, some concerns over just what exactly will be provided and what won't. Um, Do you have any concerns on that front? I do. Uh, The answer is pretty simple, and I think Rouleau will stick to it, which is cabinet should only withhold information in that they can clearly show this judge that it is in the national interest to do so. It would compromise national security for that information to be shared with the public, not in the government interest to hold it back, not in Justin Trudeau's interest, not in the cabinet interest, only in the national interest. And that is such a narrow definition. We're really talking about like information the government may have about a specific terror organization that they don't want that organization to know they have about them. Other than that, it should be open. And I'm quite certain that Rouleau will put the government's feet to the fire if they attempt to hold anything back. It really is his job to have this be as publicly open as possible. Yeah, you've mentioned this before. Transparency is what's needed here more than anything else. So I think a lot of us understand sort of how things unfolded, but we we need to get a better look into what the decision-making process was at all levels uh, for this to happen. And the transparency has to be there so that justice is seen. Well, justice is probably the wrong word here, but that that the inquiry is seen to to be done as much as it is being done. That is definitely the case. And when we're talking about a society like Canada, where there's increasing polarization, people ignoring facts, distrusting information, distrusting experts and so forth. Well, the remedy for that is for government to start treating the citizens as adults, level with them, share information and have people make up their own minds with quality facts. If you hide it, if you hold it back, you leave room for conspiracy theories to spread and it will only worsen the situation. So we should demand that the government begins to treat us all as adults. The inquiry into the invocation of the Emergencies Act back on February the 14th begins tomorrow in Ottawa. We'll start hearing from witnesses on Friday. There are a long list of interesting witnesses from the Prime Minister right on down to shop owners in downtown Ottawa who are impacted by the blockade, as well as convoy leaders and others. Um, our guest this half hour is Michael Kempa. He's an associate professor of criminology at university, the University of Ottawa, who followed the uh, blockades and the invocation of the Emergencies Act very closely at the time and ever since. Uh, so this phase runs through until late November. Is that right, this first phase of the inquiry? That's right. We've got six weeks of... Uh, people giving evidence up until the 25th November. 
Then they move to a week of what they're calling a policy phase on Monday, November 28th, which is going to be roundtable discussions with experts where they're going to be dialing down specific policy questions about where things fell apart in the ordinary civil levels of government and policing and security and what might be the policy remedies to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Once they wrap that, uh, early November, the commission will go away and prepare its report, which has to be completed uh, in time for uh, the, 6th, the 6th of February. And how broad can the report be? I mean, when we looked at this and we talked about this in the past, this was a, a multi-level problem, right, from municipal to provincial to federal and all sorts of different actors involved. Uh, Justice Rouleau's report, can it, can it cover all of that or does it really limit itself to providing policy direction to the federal government for the use of this particular uh, Emergencies Act? It will, it will not be possible for one commission to deal with every level of question from local municipal policing through municipal government, provincial government responses and coordination with police agencies across the province up through the federal government. They will definitely touch on it. Now, there are a number of other things that are ongoing looking into those questions at those levels. We have the um, the uh, Auditor General in Ottawa examining the policing system in Ottawa specifically. We have the Joint Parliamentary uh, and Senate Committee looking into um, certain other questions around the security apparatus. I think that this federal inquiry will touch on everything, but it will really focus on questions of coordination. Where did the problem come from and where did the system fall apart in terms of coordination across those three levels of government? You know, I covered the Air India Inquiry, the Gomri Inquiry. This feels like it's going to be one that uh, that people are going to pay a lot of attention to. It sort of snuck up on us a bit, uh, but it feels like this is going to be a very big deal day in, day out. It should be. All of the previous inquiries you've mentioned were very important. They dealt with sort of more specific policy issues, however. This one is really about the health of the democratic state in Canada and Really, what we're going to do, and we find ourselves at a crossroads, we're either moving in the direction of an authoritarian, populist type of political environment, or we find ways to correct that trajectory we've been on and bring ourselves back to being a charter-based liberal democracy, what that will take improved democratic institutions. It's not as simple as writing one report. But it is such an important set of questions about where we're going as a country. I hope that citizens will tune in. It will be live streamed on the Public Order Emergency Commission's uh, website. The proceedings are also open to the public who can attend in person. We should be watching. And it will be good for us to see the screws be put, the judicial screws be put a little bit to political leadership because they'll be out of their comfort zone in the House of Commons where they can use all of their usual tactics of obfuscation, as I say, yelling, screaming, hooting, hollering, making faces, the indignant wagging of fingers, just to answer pointed legal questions. And as we watch that, we should get used to politicians behaving that way and insist that they carry on with that decorum in the House of Commons. Well, that is one of the outcomes of all that has happened in the last year. That will certainly be a welcome one. Michael Kempa, thank you so much for your time tonight. Look forward to catching up as this inquiry goes on. Thank you very much.